This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. Monday, June 6, 2022. We did it again. Well, I did it again. Right. Oops, right. I did it again. Right. Quinn Snyder has resigned as the head coach of your Utah Jazz. Told you so. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. That's the entire, that's it. That's it. That's the whole show today. The entire show. We'll talk all about Quinn Snyder. We'll tell you why Quinn Snyder resigned. We'll tell you who is going to replace him. And the Salt Lake City media is at it again. They did it again. They done did it again. As uh, an off-the-rails beat reporter. Crazy. Crazy conspiracy theories. Um, And apparently Quinn Snyder is going to park his UFO uh, on the roof at Vivint Arena and do a press conference today. Uh, So tomorrow uh, we'll have full reaction to that. But, um, you know, without further ado, let's get right into this Quinn Snyder situation because I do think um, it's a big one. Quinn Snyder has resigned as a head coach of the Utah Jazz. Um, We told you back in late March that this was a distinct possibility that we were hearing that Quinn Snyder was contemplating resigning. Um, And we told you again on April 28th that Quinn Snyder was likely to resign. And now here we are on June 6th and Quinn Snyder made it official yesterday that he resigned as the head coach of the Utah Jazz. The whys and the hows of this are very complicated because you don't see these situations present themselves often, especially in a place like Utah, where coaches generally come here to retire. And you look at Quinn Snyder, almost a decade of service to the Utah Jazz. When he was hired, he was somewhat of a reclamation project, um, coming really to the Jazz in tatters as a head coach after what happened at Missouri and and that whole scandal and thing. Um, But after packing his bags and globetrotting as an assistant coach throughout Europe, the G League, the NBA, Quinn Snyder did a fantastic job. He was a rousing success as the head coach of the Utah Jazz. But things started to go sideways last season. We saw the marks of a coach that was dealing with fatigue and burnout. He had hip replacement surgery. They go through an offseason where, frankly, not much changed. And then everything changed. Ryan Smith was the now owner. The Miller family sold to Ryan Smith. Um, Immediately, a massive contract extension. Created issues with the salary cap. Created issues with chemistry and leadership in the locker room. And then you fast forward to the trade deadline this past February where nothing was done. No moves were made. Outside of trading an expiring contract of a guy in Joe Ingles who had torn his knee ligament, nothing was done, and Quinn was frustrated. Quinn was assured by by Ryan Smith and Justin Zanuck and the management team that, in fact, they would be making deals to add to this team to make them more competitive, and instead they stood pat, and they lost again, and there were significant chemistry issues again, and Quinn Snyder 
voiced frustration at the deadline. And through this period of the offseason when they lose to Dallas in the playoffs, Quinn again has hip replacement surgery, steps away, and then they start talking about a contract extension again. They offered Quinn Snyder as much as five years. At the end, they had offered him three years. He turned them both down. And the deal breaker, according to sources close to the situation, who tell me Quinn Snyder wanted input on the roster that he was going to be coaching, it was a deal breaker. They said, not so fast. The Utah Jazz were unwilling to give Quinn Snyder veto power over his roster, and ultimately that was the tipping point. The relationship is not broken. They are parting as friends, and Quinn Snyder still, as I am told, has passion to coach in the NBA, but it looks like he is going to take a year off. He is going to recover from this hip. I think he is going to digest and download all of the things that have happened on this team in the last year, and Jake, frankly, this is a massive void for the Utah Jazz to fill. Yeah, and it's a big moment uh, overall for the organization uh, in, in a multitude of ways. And, and and I think that I do agree. Quinn was a rousing success as a head coach for the Utah Jazz. I do think that the Jazz were were uh, really successful with him. Now, they didn't get as far as they wanted to, you know, and, and I think that you're always going to have people who are going to say, well, they didn't they didn't win anything. That might be true, but I think at the same time they got they they were consistently a contender in the Western Conference, and I think that with the roster you have currently is is a pretty damn good job. I have to say, like I, when you compare their roster to other rosters in the Western Conference, you know Quinn did a nice job. I'm not really here to have the conversation about you know adjustments in the postseason or you know whatever people want to run out there about hating on Quinn. But what I am here to say is that I I, I think that. You know, I understand why Quinn feels the way he does, where he wants this power to to have say over the roster he's going to coach. Because, you know, frankly, again, and it's no shade to Rudy Gobert personally, but that extension, it really, you know, I think rubbed Quinn the wrong way. So I don't blame the guy. He just had hip surgery. He could use a year off. He'll come back next season. You know, not this coming one, but the following. And, and he'll do his thing. And, and, I, and, and, I, and more power to him. But I think for what's left for Jazz fans, the organization, the roster, I think there's a lot of questions here. You know, obviously the main one is this whole, is the Donovan Mitchell situation. I'm here to tell you, once again, the Don to the Knicks, Don to the Heat rumor mill that I just saw raging yesterday, it's unnecessary, frankly. It is just really unnecessary. The conversation that should be had is just how much power Donovan Mitchell has over who's going to be the next head coach of the team. And if I'm the Utah Jazz, if I'm Ryan Smith, if I'm Danny Ainge, you know, I am, I, I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not just going to be like, hey, Don, who you want to be the head coach? And that's who we'll get. But I am going to allow Don to speak on, on the topic. I am going to allow Don to feel like his opinion is valued because I think that's really important through this process. So if I'm the Jazz moving forward from the Quinn situation, that's how I would handle it. But we'll see, you know, what route they decide to go. And by the way, I do think, you know, last week we talked about how, you know, Ryan Smith as an owner really needs a win. This this whole situation, this head coaching hire could be that win that we've kind of been talking about on the show, depending on, on who they get. Yeah, I, I'm curious because I actually think this is a huge moment in time for the Utah Jazz. I, I I cannot overstate the importance of this hire. Whoever this team hires is going to really, you know, in my opinion, 
point this ship in whichever direction it's going to go because roster changes are coming. I think we know that. Yeah. Whoever the coach of this team is has to win and they have to win now because you have so much turmoil currently around this team. Quinn Snyder resigning only added fuel to the fire about the dysfunction that took place in this organization over the last two years. Yeah. And and again, I think much to your point, and we, we have talked a lot about Ryan Smith needing a win. Yeah. Now you desperately need a win. And my question is, and I, this may seem trivial, and I certainly don't mean it to be that way. How can you release uniforms now? Yeah. Because we've heard that within the next 10 days, essentially as soon as the NBA finals are over, when teams can, again, make news on their own, that the Utah Jazz had every intention of releasing their new uniforms. And I think now you can't do that. I think now with Quinn Snyder quitting, with so much turmoil in the locker room, with so many questions about your ability to execute on the floor and off the floor, you cannot take another PR dump if you are the Utah Jazz. And that's what this would be. Yeah. And I, I don't mean yeah. to, again, I don't mean to trivialize well, uniforms yeah. or, but, and, and I don't mean it yeah. to sound harsh. Yeah. I think the reality is that Quinn Snyder quitting like this is a blight. It's a black eye. Even though we all knew it was coming, we've been reporting this for two months. It's a black eye on this team. He is a well-respected coach in the NBA. Yeah. And it is, it is a little surprising that it took this long to make this happen. And what this tells you is the Utah Jazz, as we have reported, wanted Quinn Snyder back as their head coach. Yeah. And from what I am told, they went to him and said, hey, we need to move. Yeah, we We need to make a move. And I think what's interesting is what's happening in Charlotte is 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 quite important to this search because – I think when we're talking about who the next head coach of the Jazz is going to be, I think you need it to be somebody who will come in with swagger and respect. That's the thing that worries me about all this Johnny Bryant talk. Yeah. It, he is an inexperienced leader. That's the issue for Johnny Bryant. Now, obviously, he has extensive experience from his time here in Utah with Don. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell should absolutely positively have input on who the next coach will be. But I just don't know that Johnny Bryant's the right guy because he doesn't have experience. Mm -hmm. And and I already think that it, the guy you hire is going to be coming into a difficult situation. Yeah, and, and I think the, the tough part is when you're hiring a head coach, the things you have to consider, like, like look at the Lakers, just as an example. The Lakers can afford to bring in somebody who maybe, you know, maybe isn't as experienced or maybe, you know, like the Nets bringing in Steve Nash. Steve Nash, very experienced guy, clearly a great leader, clearly, you know, a good fit as a head coach in the league. But, but what does he really have? Steve Nash was, is, you know, a, a Hall of Fame caliber player, like did all this great stuff in the league. So you can kind of start putting dots together as how he would work out as a head coach. What I think is so interesting, you know, about any, any of these examples, I mean, you can obviously Johnny Bryan, as you were just saying, has the Utah jazz connection. You know, you, you look at Will Hardy in Boston, like, like there are these guys around, there are assistants around who are, are getting ready to take head coaching positions. But as usual for the Utah jazz, you can't just go and get anybody. It can't just be, well, Johnny Bryant's got a relationship with Don and, and the organization. And so that's why he's a good fit. I understand that Don probably wants a young, energetic, 
black head coach. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think that would be a, a really good move as long as there is a plan in place to continue to contend because Donovan Mitchell can't have it both ways. And this isn't an indictment on him, but I think it's a really relevant thing. As a player, as the guy, as the face of the organization, you can't on one hand say, hey, I'm, you know, uh, we have to win or, or you know, I'm going to start looking at options. Not that he's technically said that, but there's a lot of smoke around that concept. So you can't have that narrative, and but then also have, well, I want a young black head coach who's inexperienced. Those two don't play together typically. So it's going to be really interesting to me to see how do those two come together? How do you find a young, energetic, new voice who can come in and lead this thing, but also win at the same time? That's why I think ultimately with the Danny Ainge angle, that's why Danny Ainge is so important here. Because Danny Ainge has the ability to build a roster regardless of who the head coach is. It'd be nice if that head coach agreed with, with the route they were taking. But I think ultimately their goal is to make sure that Don is relatively happy that the head coach is a good fit with the roster they envision them building, and then ultimately they can go and get to the Western Conference Finals. Because I really don't think we should be talking about championships with this team until they prove they can get to the Western Conference Finals. Well, I, I think that's the, that is the last requirement, honestly. I, I, how much input should Donovan Mitchell have? I mean, I, I think that is a huge question. This Andy Larson thing with Donovan Mitchell, I... I don't know how else to classify this. I mean, I, I if you didn't see what Andy was tweeting, he was saying that Donovan Mitchell is um, essentially puppeting the Utah Jazz behind the, the, the scenes, using his agent. Don is represented by CAA. Uh, I know his agents pretty well. Um, CAA also represents Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN, who broke this story. Um, you, you know, Woj also tweeted that Donovan Mitchell um, is unsettled and surprised by Quinn Snyder um, quitting. Could not be further from the truth. Donovan Mitchell knew this was going to happen. Um, I think the finality of it probably hit his players hard here in Utah. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell is not stunned, shocked, uh, unsettled. Uh, none of that, from what I understand. He knew. Uh, I talked to somebody in Donovan's circle last week, right before we left on our trip. Um, and I was told that Donovan is committed to this team in the long term, um, that he was, and I had inquired about the Island trip. Yeah. Um, Don had been on, you know, on a, essentially a working trip in the islands with his, his trainer and a couple of other players, um, getting ready for next season. Um, and I'm told he is at peace and working hard to have the best 2023 he can have. Yeah. 2022 2023 he can have so yeah. this is not at all shocking so of course Andy Larson comes out of you know area 51 with a um, conspiracy theory that Donovan Mitchell is pulling strings behind the scenes and he's actually making the decision as who the next head coach is going to yeah, be. yeah I mean what, what he's saying is that Johnny Bryant Adrian Wojnarowski and, and Donovan Mitchell are all represented by CAA and that in that Donovan Mitchell is essentially using his agent to 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 puppet Woj into tweeting negative things so that Don can have leverage over the organization and I, and I just think look again we're we're not a show that 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 you know goes out of its way to bash the media I would say but it just seems like there's a lot of ridiculous things that get run out here just like we did with the him or me tweet about Rudy Gobert or any of these other situations 
we I have to say, re- reading that out of Andy Larson, with all due respect, reading that, I'm just like, dude, do you think that Don has no sway in the organization already? Do you think that there's not a relationship there? But the bigger issue is the Salt Lake Tribune printed that. Yeah. And again, I do not mind telling you, I canceled my subscription because of Andy's run-in with Donovan Mitchell in Dallas. Because of this ridiculousness that Andy tweeted about what Donovan was saying to the Dallas bench with no foundation, no proof, no evidence. And Andy had to apologize. That's when you lost my money. So now you print a conspiracy theory about his agent? It's ridiculous. I I don't understand the media in this town. I just, I don't get it. I, I really don't. Can you please do some math here? I mean, you know that Donovan Mitchell and... And again, not to keep telling you what we've reported, but in January, we were telling you that Donovan Mitchell had a meeting with Danny Ainge and and Ryan Smith and that Ryan Smith told him we're going to build this team around you. Yep. They are Ryan Smith. From what I was told last week, Ryan Smith and Donovan Mitchell are in, in regular contact. Yeah. Uh, like they have an open relationship. Uh, you know, they, they talk all the time. This is not shocking or stunning. No, they he knew what he knows what's going on he's your best player yeah he is your star player nothing that happens in this organization can be a surprise to don and this certainly was not why are you printing this in the paper why are you tweeting about this as the beat writer for the utah jazz why are you tweeting about this is anybody really surprised just generally speaking like to your point is anybody surprised about this quinn situation anybody who follows this team Anybody would not be surprised by this, mainly because you can you can put two and two together. Hey, it was a tough season. Hey, it's been a really difficult run. Hey, you got bounced by Dallas, a team that you felt like you should have beat. Anybody can can say, okay, we kind of understand where where Quinn is coming from. So to sit here and say that 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 like to sit here and say that Don is somehow shocked and surprised, and I think the verbiage Woj used was like unnerved. It's crazy to me. Don knew this was coming. And my feeling is, and really this is just more of a hope of mine. It's an opinion slash hope of mine. My hope is, is that the organization had a pretty good idea Quinn was going to resign. And it was really more of a formality internally. That's what I hope the case was. Because if that was the case internally, then you would have, then that, the front office team has already has a plan in place. They know candidates they're looking at. Obviously, the Johnny Bryants of the world are going to get calls and interviews and stuff, I'm sure. But I'm sure Danny Ainge has somebody who he's like, all right, in a perfect world, this is the guy we would go and get. I don't know who that is, but all I'm simply saying is this would come as no surprise to Don or anyone in the organization or anybody in the media that Quinn resigned. It's just not the situation, man. Yeah, and I I think if you were a betting man, you would have bet that Quinn was going to return. But I think, and and again, we were talking about it last week, last Wednesday when we did the show. There, there was a, what's the right way to say it? There was damage to the relationship between Quinn Snyder and this front office and this team at the trade deadline. The Joe, frankly, the Joe Ingles trade is yeah. probably the was probably the final nail in this decision. You don't go out and say that, hey, we're going to do something meaningful at the deadline. Like you don't you don't say that or like send that messaging and then do that one deal and that's it and then watch Spencer Dinwiddie light your ass up in the playoffs. Well, the hard part is is that Quinn and Joe Ingles were very close. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've heard repeatedly over the last couple of months is that 
Quinn Snyder relied heavily on Joe Ingles for leadership. And that I don't necessarily believe that trading Joe Ingles upset Quinn Snyder. It was the clear, obvious move to make. But they got nothing in return. Yeah. And I do believe that his lack of minutes for Nikhil Alexander-Walker was proving a point to this front office. I, I, I believe that. I've heard that more than once about why Nikhil Alexander-Walker did not play uh, very often and certainly not in the postseason. And I think this was proving a point. I think he re- Quinn Snyder was very upset about Joe Ingles and that deal. Yeah. And I think so little in return. And I think so little movement. I think that the, the those incidents, and I'm trying to measure my words because I don't want to go too far with it, but I think that the Joe Ingles situation, that trade, did some irreparable damage to the relationship between Quinn Snyder and this front office. And I think, unfortunately, when you, when you gamble and you play poker and lose, there's real damage done. Yeah. And that's what they did with Joe Ingles' contract. They played poker. And they lost. Yeah. And they probably could not hold their water just long enough to make a significant deal. I mean, and and again, I, I think we've talked about this ad nauseum. I'm telling you again that they had an opportunity to trade Rudy Gobert, and they did not do it. You're paying for that non-move. Um, if they do not trade Rudy Gobert over the summer, they are going to pay for that this coming season. Yeah. You cannot in my opinion, just run it back with this roster. That's just not an option. And I don't believe they're going to do that. I continue to to believe and I continue to hear that they're going to, to do everything that they can do to remake this roster around Donovan Mitchell. I don't believe that Donovan Mitchell is unnerved. I don't believe that Donovan Mitchell is upset and questioning his future in Utah. Like, stop. It, 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 there's just no need for it. Anybody that is shocked or surprised by this move hasn't been paying attention. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know how many times we we can say it. I am not at all surprised that this happened. We've been telling you this for months. And I think the thing that is surprising is the timing of it. it it's, that's the one thing that I think is a real indicator that what we told you last Wednesday was, was absolutely true. Quinn Snyder wanted influence over this roster. He wanted to have a say in who he was going to coach. And when that was taken off the table, there was no decision to be made. That essentially made the decision for them. So I don't know. I, I think I think this Andy Larson thing is a is a real problem for the Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah. And the fact that he wrote it and editors cleared it is embarrassing. It is a it is a blight on the on the face of the media here is it is he is he wrong that that could be going on no I don't think he's wrong why would it be a problem why would that be a negative if you're Donovan Mitchell if you and I I'll I'll go back to the guys I've covered this is no different than Kobe Bryant this is no different than Magic Johnson this is no different than Michael Jordan LeBron this is no different than LeBron James Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving this and that is, whole thing this there's no difference come on this is how the NBA is run, and it is shocking to me, shocking to me that the Salt Lake Tribune would 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 publish this kind of trash. It really, it just is. It's it's why I don't spend my money there. I know for a fact I'm not getting this from the the Athletic. Yeah. When I subscribe to Tony Jones, and I didn't say subscribe to the Athletic. I subscribe to Tony Jones. 
He's the one guy in this town that you can believe in when it comes to jazz reporting. Uh, and with all due respect, and I, I respect Eric Walden's work, I do. Um, I, I, I just, when I look at the landscape of people that cover this team, it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. The lack of sourcing, the lack of reporting. Uh, I could, People at the jazz tell, talk to me about this more than I'd like. Yeah. And frankly, I just don't understand it. There, there are there are very few relationships with the media and players or executives in this town, and it is it is surprising to me that I think there are probably two guys that I would trust on the Jazz because I know they have relationships: Tony Jones and Spence Chuckets. That's it. There, anything from anybody else, I think, is pure speculation, and I and I, I it's it's stunning to me. Yeah. It, it's and stunning. I think the summer, the summer time when you're not playing basketball, tends to bring this stuff out. By the way, I, I think whether we're talking about the jazz media circle or really just in in the sports landscape, I think the off season tends to, you know, bring out some really <laughs> interesting angles. And that's again, we're not, we don't just open the show and say to ourselves, "All right, we're just going to say how many times that we've reported something that's actually come true." The reason we say that is because we're interested in reporting things that actually do come true, things that are relevant, things that have substance. And so to me, it's not even the, the issue with the Andy stuff and really just the Salt Lake media in general is not specifically what they're reporting. It's how no. they go about it. It's the timing of it. It's the messaging it sends. And I think your best point there is, yeah, Andy did kind of, you know, uh, maybe it's strong to say he went after Donovan. He didn't really like go after Donovan personally with that stuff in Dallas and the bench and everything. But to be writing that and then to say this, it just it just doesn't send a great with message. No facts attached yeah. to it. And then they have to issue the apology, like to have Donovan Mitchell that. get after you on Twitter and then you completely back down. Yeah, get out of here! Like it's just it's amazing. To, and again, I want to say I don't know any of these guys personally. I. I I, I I am acquaintances at best with Tony Jones. I, I we we knew each other quite well when I lived here previously and worked at KFAM, but I I don't know these guys personally. I I don't believe I've ever met Andy Larson. I haven't met Sarah Todd or Eric Walden. Well, I, you've met him on Twitter, isn't that what matters? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I base them I and I I I talk about them solely based on their professionalism and their work. And it just, it's, it's stunning to me. Yeah. It is really stunning to me. All right. Let's get some of your thoughts in here uh, on Quinn Snyder, Eric and Raleigh. Good morning to you. First one in good night for Eric and Raleigh, mm -hmm. who is a huge dubs fan uh, to any idiots who say this is good. You must've loved the Ty Corbin years. Seriously. Yeah. You know, the blind swordsman. That's exactly right. I mean, this is a big, big loss. Uh, and I think you look at the pool of guys um, that are are going to get interviewed for this job. Yeah, Johnny Bryant is, in my opinion, a a, a good. He's going to be a good coach. He is going to be a good coach. But when I look at Terry Stotts, Terry Stotts is not going to get hired for this job. He's not. Well, and I don't think he's the right guy, honestly. Like you know, you you look at Terry, and he's done some good things in the league. He'd be a reliable hire. You know what you'd be getting out you of him. You won't but, win. But you won't win. Yeah, that's the biggest thing that, that stands out to me. I think, I think, and in, in, as I tweeted last night, um, 
I was told Terry Stotts, Will Hardy in Boston, Charles Lee in uh, Milwaukee are the, the, you know, those are three guys that are going to get interviews. Johnny Bryant's certainly going to get an interview. And I think depending on what happens in Charlotte, I think you would absolutely look at, at Kenny Atkinson. Um, but it just depends on who you think is going to get that job. I mean, if, again, teams cannot announce significant moves or make news during the NBA Finals by rule. Yeah, um, You have to wait until the NBA Finals are uh, over to announce hires like this. Um, so you look at Charlotte, they've got a coach, from what I understand – They've got a coach under contract now. They have an agreement in place, so it'll be interesting to see who that is. My guess is it's Mike D'Antoni or, or Kenny Atkinson. Those are two great hires for Charlotte. Yeah. Um, but if I had to guess, I would think Will Hardy or Johnny Bryan are going to get this job. Um, Charles Lee is going to be a fantastic head coach in the NBA. I would love to see – I think, honestly, if it were me, I would interview those three and that would be it. Yeah. Will Hardy, Charles Lee, and – and Johnny Bryant would be my three candidates. And I just think what you've seen out of, you know, player development from all three of those guys, that's the biggest thing with Johnny Bryant. He's a fantastic talent development guy. Yeah. So that's what you're excited about with him. But we'll see. It's going to be very interesting to see, um, you know, who who they wind up hiring. Jesus Christ destroys atheism. Uh, bless you, sir. You yeah. guys were right 100% about Quinn. I think you guys talked about this and a lot of stuff you are saying is coming to pass. People need to give you guys more credit. God it bless. is what it is. I appreciate more you saying that. More credit comes in time. Um, you guys nailed it, Steve says. Appreciate that. Neville 93 says, good morning, guys. Hope you guys had fun at Yellowstone. was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I still smell campfire smoke, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was taking it. You want to know what's like? We lit huge fires every night. Yeah. And I was taking a, my first real shower since like Thursday morning. And last night I'm taking this shower and it's just a, one of the most disgusting showers I've ever taken. Like the smell of campfire was like washing off of me. It was, <laughs> it was terrible. Terrible. Tanner Plummer says, morning guys. Happy D-Day. Hey guys. Okay. Andrew uh, Golubov says, uh, first Snyder, hope the next is Spida. Yeah, you can keep hoping, but I wouldn't hold your breath. Jesus Christ destroys atheism, says, Monty, you yourself actually said if Quinn doesn't coach, he's going to retire. Well, I no. No, he never said I that. I didn't say he was going to retire. I've never said that. Yeah. I think he's going to take this year off. Yeah. Um, I think Quinn needs a break. And we've, again, not to be redundant because I know I just said this, but he needs a break. Yeah. He is, I think physically he needs time to properly rehab that hip. He's had double hip replacement surgery now. Both are replaced. That is a very serious, serious procedure. And it takes a physical toll on you. I think Quinn um, puts his every heart and soul into this this job every day. And so he needs a break. I think a year off will be good for him. And I do think he will replace Greg Popovich in San Antonio. And by the way, I just want to point out, we see this all the time. Like head coaches who, who have been in a gig for... First of all, I guess what we should say is we don't see head coaches who coach almost a decade with one team a lot. It's anymore. very rare. You don't see that as much. But for the guys who do or have done it, you do see most of those guys take a year. Some have taken two. And then they come back refreshed and ready to go again. And, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think and, – and I'm not saying you're wrong about the hip thing or, or that dynamic. But I, honestly, even if his hip was good, I still think he would need the year off. Honestly, like – I think he just needs that time to let his brain 
like come back and be happy yeah, again. Yeah, he's and got young kids and yeah. a family. And... Like go be with your family. Go enjoy life for a minute. Money is hardly a concern. Like just go and do you yeah. for a year and then come back ready to go. Yeah. Um, can he take a job now? Quinn, Quinn could. I mean, he's got a year left. Um, so the Jazz would be entitled to compensation. Um, but he quit. He walked away. So that contract is still valid. Um, contract law is pretty straightforward. I mean, he, the only way that, that he could go take any job he wanted is if he was fired by the jazz and he wasn't, he resigned. So he will have to sit that year out. Rudy Sanchez says any word on Mitchell's feelings about the situation. And as I stated, I just, I think this is, he, I think Donovan Mitchell would look at this as an opportunity. I don't think, I don't believe this has any impact on his future with the jazz in the immediate time. I, I really well, and don't. I think what's important is, again, just put yourself in Donovan Mitchell's shoes. Let's not be ridiculous. Let's not be outlandish. Like, let's just be sensible. As I always say on the show when we're in silly season, be sensible. You're Donovan Mitchell. What do you know? All right, well, you've known for months that Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge are going to remake the roster. So you already knew roster change was coming, which yes. ultimately is an opportunity. Then you caught some some you know some rumors and some smoke about maybe Quinn was gonna step away from the team. So again, I just want to keep saying this and pointing this out repeatedly. It's no surprise to Donovan Mitchell that this happened. Is he disappointed? Is he is he could he be disappointed or could he be a little sad about it? Well, sure. But I think that's any star player who loses a head coach that you've been with for a long time and been through a lot of stuff. Don't forget. They went through the bubble. They went through the the thing we're not allowed to talk about on this show because YouTube hates it, right? Like they went through all that together. They like they've gone through a lot of adversity together. So that's what I'm saying. This isn't just oh well, the Jazz suck and I hate this organization. And I'm leaving. That's not what this is. This is hey, this guy has been my coach for a long time now, and and now we're starting new with someone with someone else. So I think there's a natural progression that plays out but i just can't get down with this concept that oh well he's going to the knicks now or he's going to the heat or he's going out east like i can't that's just not what what's happening here i agree with you donovan mitchell is probably saying to himself damn i'm getting a new head coach we're getting new players i better be ready to go i i mean this is a time when i have to come out in training camp in the best shape ready to go so i can make a statement about who i am to this team and i think all the best guys do that and that's what i'm telling you don't be surprised if Donovan Mitchell has a career year individually this coming year. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I find it very interesting that, you know, I'm sitting here like talking to, um, you know, talking to to one of the guys I know. And I I, I just think that one of the things that, that is fascinating to me is that there's so many conspiracy theories out there. And there's so many people who... I'm not going to say make stuff up, but there's so many people who try to read tea leaves and, and report. They reach. I'm just telling you now that this and this this thing with Andy Larson is very interesting because I, I just think that the CAA the CAA ties are very clear. Those are very very out in the open. But having worked it at ESPN a little bit, understanding the culture there, understanding just how flipping high the bar is in Bristol Yeah, to understand what you have to do, even for Woj to report something 
to run it like, oh, well, it's a CAA conspiracy theory. Yeah. Do you understand how how unpassable that is at ESPN? Infowars.com. It's not something that ESPN would tolerate. Yeah. The and I think that's why you're seeing all of the the things that happened around Adam Schefter with the the Washington football team and and all of those emails yeah. and ESPN doesn't take that stuff lightly. You can you can like ESPN, you can hate ESPN. They have an incredibly hard, high bar for stuff like this. So, I have a I I just I don't know, man. I I think I think when you're looking at Quinn and you're looking at the way business is done in this league, nothing that Donovan Mitchell is doing now would surprise me. If he had his agent calling Ryan Smith, I'd be stunned. Yeah. They talk to each other. They don't talk through Ryan Smith and Donovan Mitchell. This is the other thing that's amazing. Ryan Smith and Donovan Mitchell don't like go through his agent to communicate. Do you, do you think Ryan Smith calls him? Well, hey, can you get uh, Don on the phone for me? Uh, He's paying him 20-plus million dollars a year. He's got his phone number. He's He's got a direct line to him. Yeah. All right, like, what are you and thinking? That's the thing. See, that's – Man. And, and, again, I, I – you know, I again, I have to say, I, you know, it's it, – it, I don't want to, you know, blow it out of proportion about just how silly the tweet is, but, like, that's the problem with it. It's It, 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 it doesn't just come down to – whether it's factual or not, or whether whether there's any substance to it. Like, yes, that is a surface-level conversation. But again, and I'm just going to keep pointing this out, put yourself in Donovan Mitchell's shoes. Don's on Twitter. We all know he's on Twitter. It's no surprise, right? Like, everybody's on yeah. Twitter. Don's looking at this. I guarantee you Don saw this. And Don is probably saying, dude, don't you think that I— that me and Ryan have a relationship? Don't you think that that if I had an issue with Ryan, I would just call him and tell him? Don't you think that I could could communicate to the team that I play for, to to the team that I am the guy for? Don't you think that I that I'm a phone call away from Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, Ryan Smith, like anybody? Dude's got everyone's phone number, and everyone has his phone number. It's not some like runaround. And that and when I read it, that was kind of my first initial thought. Like, like, do you think that these guys just work through all the agents and CAA just runs the entire league or something? No. Like, that's well, not how it works. And again, just just, just because I'm talking to a, to a guy I know, he makes a really good point. Um, Woj has very strong relationships. Guarantee you, I he, he guarantee you he knows Steve Wade. Do you really think oh Woj God. needs yeah. help from his agent to break stories? No, I don't. I really don't think that he needs help from his agent to break stories. Like that's the best part of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you're not leveraging Adrian Wojnarowski, man. Nah. Get out of here. Anyway, Spencer Morgan, good morning to you, sir. He says, uh, guys, be honest. You've been saying all along the most likely thing would be that Snyder coaches the team next year. Yeah, I think. I do think that was one of the most likely scenarios. I think uh, what I just said a few minutes ago, if you're a betting man, you would bet that Quinn Snyder would return. But I think as we said last week, I I, I really felt like he was going to resign. I mean, I, I just didn't see any way that they were going to get past this situation where he wanted input on the roster. And it's on tape. I mean, please feel free to go back and listen to last Wednesday's show we talked all about it. It's on our YouTube channel, The Monty Show, M-O-N-T-Y, themontyshow.com. Um, you can get it right on our YouTube channel. Like He wanted control of the roster. 
They were not willing to give it to him. He wanted yeah. input, not control. He wanted input. They Essentially, as it was explained to me, uh, Quinn Snyder wanted the ability to say, nah, I don't know. I mm, I don't want that guy. Uh, he doesn't fit into my I system. Don't, I don't want you to bring in, you know, NAW for, for Joe Ingles. I, I'm not really feeling that deal. Mark my words. So I hope I hope somebody asked today. The press conference is must listen. It, you have oh, got to have that tomorrow. You have got yeah. to be in on this press conference yeah. with Quinn Snyder and Ryan Smith. I somebody please ask Ryan or ask Quinn Snyder. Ask him about how he felt when when Joe Ingles was traded. I doubt he will comment on it. This is my feeling is is that the questions that will be asked in this press conference would be very cursory. This is going to be paying tribute to Quinn Snyder. What's next, Quinn? How's the hip? What what do you, what are your next opportunities? Do you see do you believe you'll be coaching this year? Do like you, do you how will you remember your time in Utah? What was it like to what was it like to play or coach Donovan Mitchell? Like all that stuff will be asked at this press conference today and it's fine, man. It's fine. But that's not what we're here for. I, I get it. There th this this let's be really clear. First of all, I want to go back to what that commenter said about about what we said about Quinn and him coming back. The, let's be really clear. The most likely scenario was that he was going to come back. Oh yeah. But they they could not get past the hey Quinn wanted to have what what is called veto power. He wanted the ability to say I don't like that trade. I'd like to do this and and have the organization respect that. Obviously, it needs to be said. Head coaches of any NBA team in like 99.9% of the situations don't have ultimate say. Well, like and Danny's old school. Danny wants a coach that he can hand players to and, and that coach will make the best of it. Yeah. Whereas in this style of NBA, I think, and what you're seeing is a big shift in power in the NBA. You look at all the young coaches, guys like Steve Kerr have veto power. Guys like Ime Udoka don't have veto power. Steve Nash. Steve Nash, I think that's an evolving situation. It's funny. Yeah. Um, I was also chatting with a guy about Steve Nash. There was considerable frustration from Steve Nash to to their front office about, you know, about this Kyrie situation. But I think what's interesting about that, and this this kind of plays into the Quinn thing, Steve, the, and this speaks to the relationship. This is why I think it's really interesting. So Steve Nash and the Nets have a relationship where Steve Nash can say, hey, I'm not happy, and Kevin's definitely not happy about what Kyrie did this year. And and we would like to to explore ways that we can move on from Kyrie. And what's interesting to me, based on what we see, is that the organization said, yeah, we do too. He, uh, Dude straight up said that in the press conference. The GM, can't remember his name off the top of my head. Sean Marks. Sean Marks straight up said that. Hey, we're going to look at all the opportunities this offseason, which is coach speak for, yeah, we're going to try and trade Kyrie Irving because of, of that thing we can't talk about on the show and his unwillingness to get the thing that we can't talk about. So that's why I say, like, this whole dynamic, you're you're probably 100% right about Danny. Like, Danny probably, yeah, just wants to hand a coach He's an old-school guy. He just wants the coach to do the best he can. And and I just don't think in today's league that's how it works because it's in the league to win, you need multiple and, guys. And I don't know, I, I, again, I want to make sure that you understand this. This organization... The guys that have real input and real decision-making power, there's two of them. It's Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge with the input of Donovan Mitchell, which in my opinion is exactly how it should be. Yeah. That's exactly how it should be because that's how it is for, again, to your point, Kevin Durant. Do you really think the Nets make a James Harden trade without Kevin Durant knowing? 
Do you, do you really think that Kevin Durant's not the center of their world? Look at the Lakers. You want to know how it goes bad? Dude. You, you trade for Russell Westbrook because LeBron said to. That's how it goes bad, right? Now, having said that, they won the championship. Doing that exact thing. So you, you, you can say all of this craziness is X, Y, and Z's fault. The bottom line is this is a, an opportunity for the Utah Jazz yep. to, to put their ducks in a row. And if you hire Johnny Bryant, there's going to be some tough times. Yeah. Because the other question is, who do you assemble for a staff behind a guy who's never been a head coach? Yep. Does he take input and allow you to fill his staff with guys? I don't know. You know, you 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 look around this league and you wonder why Mike D'Antoni's been employed the last however many years. Because he's an excellent mentor to a young head coach. Excellent mentor. How did Quinn Snyder become one of the elite coaches in the NBA? Because he was mentored by Greg Popovich, one of the best coaches in the NBA. So there are a lot of questions around guys like that. In my opinion, they're going to hire a young coach. They're going to hire an assistant. That's the most likely thing. I just don't think Terry Stotts is the guy that you want to bring in for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I honestly, Will Hardy, Charles Lee is, I'm telling you, Charles Lee is going to be an excellent head coach. He will. Johnny Bryant's the right guy probably to hire here. Probably. Yeah. You got to go through the interview process, see what he says, see how you feel. The ties are too many to ignore. Yeah. He's got comfortability with with Rudy and with Don. If you wind up keeping both those guys, if you trade Rudy, he is very good with Donovan Mitchell. Like, there's ties to New York. There's ties to his agent. Like, all of that stuff. That's all yeah. those things are in place. Relationship wise, it's a really safe hire. James Winning. Knight says. Yeah. Uh, James Knight says he has a handshake deal with the Spurs. In my opinion, Quinn May. We'll see. Um, Neville 93 says, this is why I listen to you guys. You're accurate, honest, and don't hide around the, uh, don't hide around the bush. I had a feeling this was going to happen with Quinn Tyler. Whoa. Hey now, um, big comment dump there. Appreciate that. Uh, Tyler Hopkins says they print stuff in the paper because they know people, uh, will read it, which is total nonsense. Well, I think that's a fair, I think it's a fair assessment. I think that part of I mean, and I have no shame in saying it. Part of part of YouTubing is getting people to click on your show. Yeah. Part of doing a newspaper is getting people to read. Clickbait's a real dude. thing, man. It's real. Clickbait is a real thing. It is absolutely a an imperative part. You have to have a good headline writer. But period. But after that, your substance has to be. You there. better pay it off. Like you gotta pay it off, and that and that's why I say like. Again, I don't mean to to uh, you know be the person that bashes the media and like hates on everybody. I'm not even trying to do that, but uh, but at a certain point, you have to draw a line in the sand and say, "Hey, this is you know, this is a bit too far." The CAA angle, I I understand why maybe it's a thought. I could even see it, it, I w- if I was tweeting that, I would have said, "Hey, this is kind of reaching, but just a thought. Maybe this is an angle that's happening. I don't know, but just a thought I had." I would preface it like that. I wouldn't be saying, hey, this is this is what I think's happening. I, I just wouldn't do that. 
I just think the whole thing is it's a joke. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's it, it, it is classic Salt Lake media where you have a situation where people just report stuff to report stuff. And that's why it should be taken personal. If you're inside the Utah Jazz organization, someone like Sean O'Connell tweeting, it's him or me about Rudy Gobert and having that be absolutely. Yeah. Nonsense, how come there's no accountability for that? Where is the here's my question. Where's the him or me conversation? Yeah. Where Where's did that been? Where did that go? Yeah, absolutely nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. It's offensive. It's almost like offensive. Like I feel it honestly. Like the organization, in my opinion, should take it personal when it's getting that far. Like you're just tweeting stuff to get attention. With all due respect to Sean, like that's what you did there, and I get it. You're a UFC guy. You wanted to get attention. I get it. I respect it. But at the same time, dude, at some point in this town. Whether it's us or someone else, someone's got to be nails on this stuff. And we have been, but we're not a radio station. We're not the Salt Lake Tribune. We don't have that inherent big boy feel about us. And that's partially why we're successful, but why we also have to grow the audience, right? It it works both ways. But what I'm telling you as a listener is listen to the people who give you sensible conversation. Not the stuff that's from, as you said, Area 51, which I think is a, a very realistic you know, analogy. I think that's spot on. Anytime you're you're talking about sports, politics or whatever news, that's different. Anytime you're talking about sports and conspiracy theories are used as fact, just know what you're what Yeah, you're we reading. got issues. Just know what you're reading. Snuka, good morning to you, friend. He says, I didn't start coming, uh, caring about the jazz until I started watching the show. Appreciate that. Uh, Brandon Whiteside says, then Quinn needs to move to a front office, not sabotage the team because... His buddy got moved. That's not at all what he did. Who's his buddy? I I, I believe Joe? you're you're referencing Joe Ingles. He relied on Joe Ingles for leadership. He relied on Joe Ingles to to be an extension of the coaching staff in the locker room. And I think obviously there were signs of trouble last year on this team. Yeah. Even when Joe was here two years ago now. But this past season, sure, there was the facade was broken. Um people were talking and you know, I think we we, you know, we were talking about locker room chemistry issues in December, and I I think that it is it's just part and parcel of of being an NBA team. Yeah, think when you lose, bad things happen in the locker room. But period. I want to be really clear, he didn't sabotage the organization. Like, let's be really clear on that. He didn't he didn't he didn't like blow the organization up or put them in some kind of horrible situation. They they're to be really, in my opinion, spot on. When you say to a head coach, hey, we're not giving you the veto power, what you're essentially saying is take it or leave it. That's essentially what you're saying. You're yeah, saying, take what you are given and make the best of it. And or, that, or don't be here. That's essentially what you're saying. Yeah. Um, Brandon Whiteside says, good, good Andy Larson pushes back while Tony writes puff pieces. Where do you give Andy crap when he is the only one that's pushing the boundaries? He straight up made up something about Donovan Mitchell. Twice. In Dallas. Just made it up. Yeah, like that that Don was talking to the bench and saying Donovan Mitchell like went. it was so wrong that Donovan Mitchell went after him on Twitter and Andy retracted it. What do you mean? And apologized, dude. What do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? And what puff pieces are you referring to with with Tony Jones? I read everything that Tony writes like I, I he's the only reason I subscribe to the athletic. The only reason. I'd, I would not call what Tony Jones does puff pieces. 
That would be like, and again, I don't know Sarah Todd at all. We've never met. Sarah Todd is a feature writer. She is not somebody that breaks news or reports hard news or Sarah Todd's a, a feature writer and she's a very talented feature writer. Yeah, I can writer. respect her for that. Yeah, yeah. I, that's not a knock on her, but she's not like hard news. You want hard news on the jazz? You go to Tony Jones. Or us. I, I, I think that's it. You know, and again, I know you don't like Spencer's style, but Spence Checkets is, I think, the best NBA content on the actual radio. Yeah. If you want to flip on a radio and listen to NBA content, it's Spence Checkets. But this is really important. This is, I'm, and I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because I am not. I, I have no problem saying I'm not a huge fan of the feel of Spence Checkets show. I think it, for me, in my personal taste, it's a bit slow for me. It's a bit, it's a bit vanilla for me, and and that's fine. Like that's my personal opinion. But again, that's no knock on Spence. Just because I don't love the show doesn't mean he does a bad show. And that's what I think we have to get away from. Well, I don't like this. That means it sucks. That's not what we're saying about Andy. What we're saying about Andy is that is that the stuff he's tweeting and the stuff he reports is just blasphemy. Where's the where's true. the journalistic bar? Where is the you are the you are the beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune covering the Utah Jazz. And you made up a story about Donovan Mitchell. You wrote a story about Donovan Mitchell in Dallas that essentially said he was complaining to the Dallas bench because Dallas was picking him up full court. You really think that a guy like Donovan Mitchell gives a damn if Jalen Brunson's picking him up full court? You think Donovan Mitchell can't just can't bully him back to the timing line? Like, come on, dude. Like, that's what I'm talking about. It's not that we don't like Andy or we know him and he's a bad guy or this is some kind of personal thing. Dude, I'm taking what you're writing and I'm responding to it. And I'm saying there's no factual basis behind it. And that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Spencer says, I'm actually impressed that they got NAW and Gomez for Joe Ingles. I I think that was a huge mistake. That 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 trade crafted their destiny with Quinn Snyder. It crafted their destiny in the playoffs this year. Like it it just and I understand why the Utah Jazz wanted to wait to make a significant roster move. You can get much more fruit for your labor in the summer. In, in around the draft at the beginning of free agency. Yeah. I get it. You gave away Joe Ingles and got nothing in return. And, and take, nothing. take Joe out of it. You gave away an expiring contract. That's if that right. expiring contract was Jordan Clarkson or Trent Forrest or Joe Ingles, it doesn't matter who the name is. It doesn't matter. And it was if like $13 million worth of, yeah. an, of an expiring contract. It doesn't matter if their ACL is intact or not. It's an expiring contract. That you didn't have to put much money into to yeah. buy it. Yeah. <laughs> you had a, a, just less than half a season. Yeah. That's, I mean, and never mind that, you traded one of your core leadership guys and got nothing in return. Yeah. Nothing tangible, nothing even close to Joe when Ingles. What you could have done is put that into a, a deal and been, been a third team or at least got somebody that could play the Rudy Gay minutes. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It, I thought it was a, it was a big mistake. Um, CJ So Cool Jr. says, thank goodness he is gone. His lack of adjustments in the playoff is unacceptable, and we do need a different voice. When your leader keeps failing – it's only natural to lose respect for him. The players respect Quinn Snyder. Yeah. The issue is that this roster has not changed. Yeah. This roster has not changed. It's been at least two years, 
in arguably three years where this has pretty much been the same roster. The adjustments in the playoffs take is tired. I have to be honest with you. That is a tired Because he take. made adjustments like, in the playoffs. He did everything that he could do with the roster. And, and I would love to hear from you specifically what adjustments you'd like him to make or what adjustments you think he could have made to win the Dallas series. I would love to hear that because we get this all the time. Oh, he doesn't make adjustments. But then every time I ask you to say what what adjustments, you know, could he have made, I never hear a response back. So I would love to hear a response on that. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know what that would be. Um George Mashikia says, uh, what are you what are you think Frank Vogel? Is there a chance he becomes a new head coach? I don't think so. I think they want a young head coach who's an assistant in the league. Yeah. I think that is their profile. That is their because I also think there is some money involved in this decision as well. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I'm pretty pretty confident based on the conversations I'm having and people are telling me that I think Will Hardy gets a real strong look. I think he gets a real strong well, look. Well, what did you say? What did you just say about Danny Ainge? Danny's old school. He wants a head coach that he can give his players to who will coach the team. He doesn't want to have to have the I want say over the roster conversation. Well, and I think one of the things I've heard repeatedly over the last three weeks is they need to upgrade their player development situation. Yeah. Because they realize that they are not growing guys in-house. That one of the interesting things in the conversations that has been had around Donovan Mitchell the last two years is how much staff is he allowed to have and who's going to pay for that? Because one of the one of the things that Don wants to do is he wants his own performance coach in season to travel with him every day. Yeah. And the Jazz are going to pay for that. And I think when you watch Don over the summer, guys like David Alexander, guys like Chris Brickley, that's bred right out of Don's pocket. So if he's paying for, for that stuff, he's going to do it his way with his guys. And in today's NBA, you're paying for people – people's yes. food prep you're paying for people's performance coach during the season like you're the the two years ago that don ankle injury that the the jazz medical staff got fired for because they completely changed their medical staff even though the old staff turned out to be right yeah don wasn't ready to play that situation was a window into what was going on behind the scenes with donovan mitchell mm -hmm. he wanted his guys they brought his guys in and so they pay for security for him. They pay for, you know, a performance coach. They, it's time for Donovan Mitchell to grow up. Yeah. It's time for Donovan Mitchell. You're going to get – he's going to have say on the next head coach, whether you want him to or not. Don's going to have say on the next head coach. And with that responsibility, you know, comes high expectations. And it's time for him to perform, and I think he will perform. Donovan Mitchell is already – and I think very deliberately showing you what he's doing in the offseason. He is very deliberately allowing David Alexander, his body guy, to Instagram photos and videos of Donovan working. Yeah, That's not an accident. That's not an afterthought. That's deliberate. And I think Don wants everybody to know what he's doing this offseason. As I would. Yeah. As I would. All right, let's run through some of these comments. And Garcy, what's up? Uh, good to see you. He says, Sam Cassell, please. Sam Cassell's the nah. exact wrong guy for this job. He is the exact wrong guy. Uh, Eric in Raleigh says, Snyder was going to have input on the roster, but he wanted to be coach and GM. No, he did not. No, he did not want to be coach and GM. See, again, where do you get that idea? Yeah, Who that, said that? That's just simply Nobody not what Quinn Snyder wanted. Quinn Snyder knows what he doesn't know. 
Quinn Snyder wanted guys that fit his system. And he wanted to be able to say, I think with all due respect, Eric Paschal was also a guy that was brought in to placate Donovan Mitchell. And he just does not work in Quinn's system. And I think there was a message sent with not playing Rudy Gay in the playoffs. And I also think that that Danny wanted some Danny also wanted to be able to say, hey, we, you know, let's try this or do that. And I don't, that's not who Quinn Snyder is. Yeah. Quinn Snyder is an elite head coach in this league who, if he wanted a job tomorrow, could have one. Yeah. He, you're, you're not going to tell him about player rotations and play this guy minutes and you're not. You're, but you also need to upgrade his depth. He had no depth this year. I mean, he was, he was basically playing five, six, seven guys. When it really got down to brass tacks, who was he really playing off the bench? I mean, obviously Jordan Clarkson, but his top seven guys, that was it. Yeah. Jordan I mean, Clarkson and Hassan Whiteside. Those that, are the two guys. And you look at you look at Hassan and he fit a very specific role. So I yeah, I I, I he did not want to be general manager in any way, shape, or form. It'll be a vanilla press conference at best, James Knight said. I would agree with that. Um Eric, Eric and Raleigh says Steve Curry has veto power because he's been a GM and Bob Myers understands that Kerr is just as good a talent evaluator as any of the scouts. Well, Steve Kerr also has a, a long championship pedigree. Steve Kerr has won multiple championships as a player. Um, he is a championship caliber coach. Um, he has a proven track record. Like, you, I mean, Steve Kerr is a guy that was in high, high demand. He's earned that, dude. He's earned that. Yes. It's not hard to understand why Steve Kerr has say. Yeah. Uh, never heard of Will uh, Lee fill me in. Who's I don't know who Will Lee is. Um, CJ uh, So Cool Jr. says, Willie Green, Ime Yudoka are all better than Quint. Stop. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Willie Green is a mildly successful coach. I mean, if you – I mean – uh, really next email Yudoka. Yeah. yeah anyway uh i miss when you guys talked uh when you guys talk sons yeah son we miss talking sons too with all due respect jake i love you guys but if if i'm honest i only hear critical takes on the jazz from the show i rarely hear what they're doing well who's saying that james knight james knight dude you listen to the show every day you don't want to hear the honest truth this is not a this is not a negative and a positive Rudy Gobert is a, we've said it repeatedly and you just don't want to hear well, it. Well, expectations no, but, have to play a role in 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 the analysis. No, but I, when your expectation is that you're going to compete for a championship the last 2 years. And again, I want to just be real clear, those were not my expectations. I think we told you point blank at the start of this past season, this was not a championship caliber team. This was a team that did not improve. This was a team that did not add. But we do say positive things. We do say positive things. You just don't want to hear it. We have said repeatedly, almost on a daily basis, we give you an honest truth about Rudy Gobert. Let's just use him because that's the guy you love and we don't. We tell you he is an elite rim protector, probably the best rim protector the league has seen in, in many years. I don't, I don't know how many years you want to say, but a long time, right? But take him out of the paint and he is marginalized. That's a positive and a negative. You just don't want to hear it. Donovan Mitchell, added range this season. He needs to work on his defense. He needs to find a mid-range, and he needs to become a better leader. Yeah. Positive and negative. You need to listen 
to the whole take. I respect you, dude, but don't stop coming on here and saying we just say negative stuff because we don't. We tell you what it is. But you can't have an expectation of being a championship caliber team and fail miserably. Yeah. This season was an abject failure. What do you want us to say? Do you want us to say that that it was that that this is just some great team and hey, you 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 went out in the in the in the first round or whatever you went out you know you 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 had an okay season what i mean what do you honestly like what do you want us to say and i'm not even trying to be mean about it like i just don't understand how how you're going to come in here as someone who listens every day and say we don't say positive stuff because we do but we're not going to ignore the negative stuff that's not happening uh josh martin um top chatter this morning Paid five bucks to get his comment highlighted. I appreciate that, man. Appreciate thank you. you. Thank Seriously, you for that. Thank you. Uh, the Jazz should interview Mark Jackson. He develops uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. So that's an interesting one. His name has come up a lot. And here's the issue Mark Jackson has off court issues that would almost exclude him from, from this situation. I mean, the. The extortion situation that happened when he was the head coach at Golden State, um, the extramarital affair stuff, the there is quite a bit of also um, religious issues where yeah, locker room religious etiquette like there are just a lot of hard situations that come with Mark Jackson that I don't think make him a fit here. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form. Did he develop Steph and Clay? I mean, obviously he he was there. Um, I, you know, I was at at that, at that time I was at 95, seven, the game when he was there and it was a very difficult situation. It was a very, very difficult situation. And I think that, and let's be honest, Steph developed Steph. Steph worked exceptionally, exceptionally hard. Like he put in and still to this day puts in all kinds of work, developing his shot, his body, um, the work that Clay Thompson put in to get to the level where he was, I'm not saying Mark Jackson didn't have Mark Jackson's contribution to Stephen Clay was mental. I mean, the that and the ability to let Draymond Green grow into and and blossom into the player that he is, that a lot of that was Mark Jackson giving him reins. No, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Don is a jazz man for life. Uh, Jaden Universe says. I, I mean, I would love to see that, but I, but I think it, the 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 one team guy is becoming extinct in the league, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it is it is it'll be interesting to see where it'll be interesting where Don where Don ends up when he's done playing. Yeah, what will his legacy be? Brandon Whiteside says Mark Jackson has bad blood with Utah when he was here. Could be. Could, could absolutely be. Scott Howard, good morning to you. I've heard some Jazz fans saying, hire Joe Ingles as the next coach. Can we please stop that? Yeah, seriously. With all due res- respect. Come on, guys. Uh, I've heard a couple of people suggest Mark Jackson with the latest report on him. That excludes him, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the stuff about... He just got baggage, and you can't do yeah, that. You, I, you, that's just not the hire that you can you can have right I now. I would agree with that. Yeah, I I just don't yeah. think it's a I just don't think it's a good fit. I, I really don't. Love Hornacek too. Heard his name come up, but I don't think I'd bring him in. No, I mean he he just hasn't succeeded. I think. Listen, if you're hiring a head coach and you know you're all in on Donovan Mitchell, I think you need to hire a young black head coach. I, yeah. I do. You need you need somebody that that he wants in and, and and believes in. You need somebody, you need the the Devin Booker Monty Williams situation. You need 
Steve Kerr and, and, and Steph Curry. You need that star coach dynamic that all the best teams in this league have. Ime Udoka is universally respected, and especially by Tatum and Brown. Yeah. I mean, you got to have that because when you get into the tough situations where you go on road trips and get smoked and you lose, and even in games you won in Houston where you had to go to overtime, there needs to be a head coach that that your players are invested in. That's how you carry through those situations. And I think part of the issue is that you didn't have players that fit into Quinn's system. And by the way, at the press conference today, when Quinn Snyder inevitably says that the only reason he's doing this is because the team needs a new voice to keep evolving, which is what the words he used in the statement. When he says that, just understand that's a facade. That's not the only reason he's doing it, but that's what the, the reason is going to be publicly. Like, can we all just be on the same page that, yes, that may be true that they need a new voice, but that's not the core issue as to why he's resigning. What do you guys pay? And then your your comment got filtered. I don't know why. But essentially, what do we what do we pay Tony Jones or what does Tony Jones pay us? We don't. <laughs> what Dude, are you talking about? Like, again, why? Okay. We need to move on from this, but I want to address this really short and bluntly like you need to understand that when when you're when you're looking around the media folks in this town it's very clear who is really professional and on their game and who's not go look at it like this is public knowledge by the way it's not like we have some some cabinet behind the camera where where we're pulling certain things from man like this is all on twitter it's all out there go and look at it do you hear yeah. Tony Jones reporting ridiculous things about about CAA and conspiracies about about Woj, Don, and his agent and in in you know head coaching opportunities? No, like he, he, they're not paying us anything, dude. Like I don't understand that. I question, think bro. I think the the hard part about conversations like this are again, if all you know is the Utah media, then I understand why you're asking that. But if you if you grew up in Chicago like I did, reading in the heyday of of columnists, reading guys like Jay Mariotti and Rick Tellender going after sports teams, um, if you if you read you know Bill Plaschke in Los Angeles or Tim Kawakami in San Francisco, or if you go to a major market where the media actually does the job, you start to understand what is lacking in Utah. The Jazz don't have a critical eye from their main newspaper, from the Salt Lake Tribune. They don't get critical analysis of the ball club from the Salt Lake Tribune, ever. And when you have a guy like Andy Larson tweeting conspiracy theories about agents, making up stories about the star player on the team, they, I mean, what more do you need to know? Yeah. You look at a guy like Tony, you want to know why Tony Jones, I, I, in my opinion, his work is good. He's a New Yorker. He understands he, he's got a track record. He is, I mean, come on. What, what are we, what are we talking about? It, it, there's no, there's no, there's no critical analysis from the newspapers of the Utah jazz there. KSL. Do you really think you're getting from 95, seven or 97, whatever it is, the 1280, the zone. Yeah. Are you really getting critical analysis from those guys? No, never. It Are you happen. really? Are you really from kslsports.com? Are you getting critical analysis of the Utah Jazz? You're not. You're, is there anything unbiased there? You're not. Spence Checkets and Tony Jones. Yeah. 
And again, those I'll are the guys. It. Those are the guys I trust on the Jazz because those are the guys that are proven. Those are the guys that don't have ties or are not beholden. I mean, if you look at the, the yeah. We've probably gone too far with it. The blind swordsman, your comments are being held. I don't know why. I have no idea why. Um, sounds like Andy is critical, Brandon said. When you make up stories about the star player and tweet conspiracies, you're being critical. Have a higher bar. Have a higher bar. NBA Finals. Yeah. As soon as you hit subscribe and give us a thumbs up. If you're here right now, please give us a thumbs thumbs up. How do you guys get chat revenue? Um, okay, well, all, there's a there's a dollar sign at the bottom of the chat. And essentially, you click that dollar sign, you you know, donate what you want to donate, and your comment gets highlighted, and we read it first. That's it. Yeah, that's how um, it So, yeah, always appreciate that. Um, NBA Finals last night. Your thoughts on your guy, the best player that's ever walked on water in your entire life, as though he's Tony Jones on the Jazz. You're mm -hmm. casual. Walking on water. Right. What would you think of the dubs last night? Yeah, I mean, I thought they played well. I thought I thought they made uh, a very clear adjustment, which was, you know, making Draymond the point man on defense and, and really pushing the defense out, you know, like really picking up the Celtics high and forcing Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to work off the pick and roll, meaning that they're not going to. And, and really, it started early in the game, if we're being honest, like like the, the Draymond tie-up of Al Horford on the first possession basically set the tone of what the Warriors were going to do. And, and I thought they did it basically the whole night, and the Celtics didn't really have uh, a convincing answer for it. And by the way, what I what I love that no one's talking about is Klay Thompson had a dog crap night, Awful. and they still won by that much. And that's well, why... That's what I'm telling you. Like, this team, the Warriors at their best is better than the Celtics at their best. It's just a matter of if the Warriors' best is going to show up. Well, and the other thing I think you have to remember is that you can't turn the ball over 19 times for 33 points uh, and lose by 19 or whatever it was they yeah. lost by. Can't do that. Yeah. Like, you turn the ball over and that's just take off 10 of those. And they shoot 76 times. Closer ball game. And you cannot turn the ball over like that. You cannot shoot that poorly. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you what, um, you also cannot, in my opinion, you also cannot – like the defense the Warriors played was not stifling. You got to get a hand up on Jason Tatum. I'm amazed how many, how many times he shot over Gary Payton and Steph Curry because they simply didn't have a hand up. I, the only one that was really effective on Jason Tatum, I thought, was Clay Thompson. Mm -hmm. But you've got to have a hand up in his face, or he is going to knock those mid-range and three-point shots down. Yeah, and I, I think if I was critical on the Warriors on on one thing, um, it'd be that they got to shoot more threes and they got to play better defense. I mean, it, twenty threes in a game is not enough. Um, in, in, or excuse me, 37 threes in a game is not enough. You got to get to 43. Yeah, you got to be in the midst, the middle 40s. In, in my opinion, you you've got to you've got to do better than that. But how is Boston not out rebounding Golden State? Well, I think the the issue is well, the issue for Boston is that you know you have Kevon Looney who's just relentless on the board. Seemingly, you've got Draymond who's battling, and also I think it needs to be said like you know Draymond. Everyone's saying that Draymond played a dirty game. And while I understand Man, I why people that. are saying that, I don't think he I don't think it was dirty. I think it was really physical. I think he did a great job of getting in people's heads, like it or hate it, like he did a great job of that. And whether we're talking about Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, 
Grant Williams. Like, you've got all these guys who Draymond is seemingly messing with without getting ejected. He's doing his job, and that's why I'm saying if you're Jason Tatum, you have to understand that Draymond's going to try and do that to you. But yeah. ultimately, you get to decide how that works out. Well, and I think Robert Williams III being um, being injured is starting to really hurt the Celtics. Oh, I yeah. Mean, yep. His, he's playing on one leg. And he had a couple of shot blocks last night that I, you know, were, were incredibly important. But, I mean, he's only playing 14 minutes. And I think that's, the, that's why you're losing the rebound battle. I mean, a Andrew Wiggins with, what, eight rebounds, I think, last night? Six rebounds, three offensive rebounds. But even he played decent defense, I thought. You know, like, I don't disagree that they I, he, need to get a hand up. He but. is too aggressive going to the three-point stretch. I, yeah. it, it, his, and, and I think one of the things that is so interesting is Boston did not take advantage of that, is Golden State was so aggressive running out to the three-point line and, like, over-aggressive. Yeah. And Boston just wasn't taking advantage of that. So – I don't know. I, I think it's interesting, but I think the Draymond thing, absolutely. Play right up to the line, and everybody ripping the officials for that, he should not have been ejected. I think that is – and I think they talked about it. I was listening to that play on ESPN radio Yeah. Um, while I was um, picking up my $20 Chinese food last night, um, which, by the way, was amazing. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Uh, but – Going home and watching the winding that back and seeing how that happened, I thought Zach Zarba, the official, made the exact right call. Yeah. That was not a technical foul. It should not have been double technicals. The idea that they that they would would make a call based on who's got a technical is absolutely how they should be doing it. Like you're you're not ejecting Draymond Green for that play. Yeah. You're you're just you're just not. So it, and all the people saying that that's a biased call, it's not. It really isn't. I also think, by the way, that that Jalen Brown's got to play better basketball. And they've got to find somebody when Tatum's putting up 28, you got to have somebody else score at least 20 points. Yeah. And I thought last night that this is where we always get back to with role players. Role players win you championships. Yeah. You know, it's that Bobby Hanson, Steve Kerr jumper that gets Mike two championship rings, right? Like, it is role players. Mikhail Bridges. It is... You know, guys like Boyan Bogdanovich or, you know, well, uh, Bench O'Neal. Yeah, Buckets O' Bench. Those are the guys that win and lose your games. Yeah. And right now, when you when you look at Horford, Williams, and Marcus Smart combining for six total points, Marcus Smart has to play better for them to win. That? Offensively, because yeah. his defense has, has been be fantastic. Um, you know, you, you look at White giving you 12 points off the bench. Hey, that's all well and good. But you need more um, from Grant Williams. He can't play 21 minutes and give you six points. How many three-point attempts? Um, one. That's not good enough. You can, you, you, like like they, Derek White. Derek White, I'm not going to sit here and expect him to score. That's not what he does. That's not, that's not why he's on the floor. Anything you get from him is supplemental. The guys that they need to score are Horford, uh, Marcus yes. Smart and and Williams. That those three guys decide their fate because you know, like pull up pull up the stats one more time. Mm -hmm. What did what did Jalen Brown finish with last night? Jalen Brown last night finished with seventeen points on uh, three of nine from three. He only took seventeen Dude, shots. Jalen Brown had I think twelve in the first quarter. Seventeen points on seventeen shots is not efficient. No, that should be like twenty five points. That should it's be twenty five thirty points. And that's why I'm saying, you know, again. On both sides of, of the NBA Finals, 
You have situations where, <laughs> hey, you got to make an adjustment and that will get you a closer outcome. But I'm telling you, unequivocally, you know, the Warriors' best basketball on both sides of the ball is better than what the Celtics can bring. And it's, they get, but Golden State also has to get out and run, man. Like, it, yeah. it, you've got to play transition basketball. I think they had 15 steals last night or something like that. Um, and only 12 fast break points. Yeah. Like, get out and run. Yeah. I mean, when you have 15 steals in a game, first of all, nobody's beating Golden State if you're given, if they're getting 15 steals. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. But you got to get out and run. I mean, that that is the, they, all, I, I only bring these things up to say that Boston, the door is wide open for them to win a championship. It is. Here. I yeah, mean, it, it is. They, it, Golden State has not it, it even remotely played their best basketball. They, they have not. So it'll be interesting to see what, what it is and how, how yeah. the adjustments happen into game three. This is where Ime, Ime Udoka could, could, you know, cement himself. Yeah. Because the, it's really hard to make adjustments in the NBA finals. And this I mean, would be a very impressive championship if they win it. I, very I, totally. Impressive. They, I mean, they were underwater at the, you, at the you all-star went, break. You went, you went through teams like the Heat. You went through teams like, like you know, Milwaukee. Like I'm you sorry, did you say Milwaukee? Milwaukee and Giannis, Ante, your mama. Like, you went through all those guys. All right, real quick, because we're on the clock here. Yeah. Uh, and gun violence t-shirts. Yeah. Pro or con? Pro. I think it's smart. I think it's I think specifically my point with that would be that in the, it works really well in the NBA because the culture in the NBA is welcoming to it. I think in other sports it doesn't work as well. Bigger issue. The Tampa Bay Rays five players refusing to wear pride jerseys or hats. Mm-hmm. Or coaches and players in the NBA Finals wearing end gun violence. The Tampa Bay thing for sure. I, I think it's I, I think it's ridiculous. Like you. And wh- if you didn't hear about this, real yeah. quick, if you didn't hear about this, it was Pride Day for the Tampa Bay Rays. They wore hats and had a sleeve patch to promote equality in the LBGTQ community. Several players in the clubhouse, and they talked about this for several days leading up to Pride Day. Several players based on Christianity and their beliefs in Jesus Christ said that they could not in all good faith wear the hat or the arm patch on Pride Day because their faith and uh, the teachings of Jesus do not allow them to support Mm -hmm. the gay lifestyle. But then turned around and said, well, you know, we also want the LGBTQ community to know we love them and they're welcome here. Okay. Okay. Can't have it both ways. Don't know about that. Um, but I think that is that is what America is all about right there. Ending gun violence is also what America is all about. And I think what 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 people forget is the NBA is, in my opinion, the most influential sport at the athlete executive level. So coaching and players of any sport in the NBA, they have the most ability to impact what's happening on the ground in America. NBA athletes. More than the NFL, I think LeBron is incredibly more impactful than Tom Brady. And I think that when you look at guys like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Steve Kerr is one of the most impactful figures in all of professional sports. I think those guys, Ime Yudoka, a a young black man in a prominent, high-profile position not to mention being a young black man in a city like boston where racial tension runs deep to wear an end gun violence shirt 
and sit up on a podium and talk about the fact you're wearing an end gun violence shirt. And then to have a younger black man and Jalen Brown in a city like Boston where, where racial um, inequality and racial tension again, runs deep in the community to have Jalen Brown, who, by the way, I think it matters and needs to be said is a dark skinned black man Mm -hmm. in Boston. Mm Mm-hmm. Wearing Which does an, matter. Wearing an end gun violence shirt is unbelievable. Yes. And I think it is incredibly impactful. I think it's incredibly important. And I think the the discussion why it's so complex is the gun violence and the mass shootings that we're talking about are a uniquely white guy problem. Yeah. Yet you have a young, dark-skinned black man in Boston wearing an end gun violence shirt. Yeah. The NBA gets it. The NBA gets it. The fact that the other day you had, you know, the Warriors specifically wearing shirts to promote and continue to keep Brittany Griner's name at the forefront of the basketball world tells you how impactful and how dialed in to societal issues guys in the NBA are. And it's why I have so many issues with LeBron James who is so much more worried about his brand than he is about helping people. Yeah. Even though somebody, I believe, was beaten to death on one of his campuses this weekend. You have to do something other than nothing. And, you know, as far as gun violence goes, and I don't want to go too much further into this, but it's people like you and me that are going to end gun violence. But if we can have NBA players moving other people in our communities to support common sense gun regulations, why is that a bad thing? Yeah. Because I think it's a vital thing. I really do. I I just, I really, really do. James Knight says, can someone tell Draymond Green the double Cobra is getting old every time he makes a layup? I do agree. He he brings that out quite a bit when he shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Simon Dominguez. Good morning to you. It's, it's one, one next two in Boston. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Needs to come back to two. If the Warriors want to win a championship. Yeah, it does. They got to win one in Boston. I totally agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. All right. Let's talk about Elon Musk. Yeah. Elon Musk likes to tweet. And if you follow Elon Musk on Twitter, which I would really recommend you do. It's a great follow. My guy tweeting about Jeffrey Epstein's black book. Infowars.com. So, <laughs> speaking of Andy Larson. Right. Writing conspiracy theory stories. Right. Elon Musk wants to know why the black book from Jeffrey Epstein hasn't been published yet. Yeah. I mean, besides the fact he's trying to launch rockets and other stuff in the space. Right. And he's trying to buy Twitter. Other than that, yeah, what's going on with Jeffy's uh, fucking black book? Yeah, Excuse my friend. What's what's interesting, and I think Elon makes a really good point here, whether it is off topic or not. Like, I think he makes a good point. Trial's over. Trial's done. Like things, you know, it's it's been kind of moved on. The book never came out. The book has been has been held away. And what's interesting, if you go kind of digging on this, a lot of people on Twitter, I guess, predictably are going after Elon because there's a picture of him in, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell at an event, right? 
but the difference is, is Elon's never been to the island. Elon wasn't part of the whole thing. And, and this is what's really interesting about this whole situation. The book matters because we need to know how far <laughs> does it go, bro? We have rights. We do. Elon Musk says only only thing more remarkable than the Department of Justice not leaking the list is that no one in the media cares. Doesn't it seem odd? Elon says things I'll never see in my life. Dragons, dinosaurs, a unicorn and the Epstein Maxwell client list. <laughs> 12 Elon Musk out here comparing the black book of Jeff Jeffy Epstein yeah. to the to a unicorn in the dinosaurs, man. Do we really need to know who yes, was in the black book? Yes, yes, we do. Yes, unequivocally. Yes, 1,000%. We do. I don't want to just hear about Bill Clinton. I don't want to just hear about Donald Trump or, or, or whoever you want to point to, man. I don't want to hear about just those guys. I want to know who's in that damn book. I want to. Like, and maybe we'll never know. But I, but I want to know, I, dude, I'm on There's TikTok. There's a website that says Listen. Elon, or excuse me, EpsteinBlackBook.com. Just take a nice and easy, okay? Just relax. Like, that's where this, listen, and I understand Chaboy Jeffy, look, he killed himself. We all agree on that. That's not what we agree on, what? dude. Bro, that boy what? was whacked. What? Dude had someone come in there and force him to kill himself or something. Something happened there. It's very convenient the cameras were off. Never going to know who was in his cell when he died. Never going to know. Yeah, Jeffrey Epstein was. He hung himself. Yeah, okay, sure. Are you kidding me? Sure. What are you sure. talking about? What? Sure. Stop. Right, right. Um, this place is empty. Yeah, he hung himself. No. <laughs> the cell's empty. No. Um, But here's the thing that's fascinating to me. And you let me know which you know how I'm wrong. Right. Donald Trump's in there. <clears throat> Nobody cares. But the Clintons are in there and people are like, oh, they murdered somebody else. Yeah. The Clinton like is Joe Biden in the black book? No. Is is Joe is Joe Biden doesn't is, have sex. It, well, that's a fair point. That's a really fair point, actually. And according to CNBC from a 2019 story. Yeah. The big names in Jeffrey Epstein's black book are the uh, Donald Trump and his sons and his daughter and his ex-wife, the Clintons, Prince Andrew, Bill Cosby, Woody Allen. I mean, dude, former Prime Minister Tony Blair. Like, are, are, what? Yeah. But, uh, like, Bill Cosby. Like, I mean, he but is. this is my point. Look at the names on the list. We're talking about the Clintons, Cosby, like Donald, Donald Trump's like, a president, bro. bro. Like, he, like, but here's the thing: he's, he's not going to run in 2024, in my opinion. He's not. There's too many reasons, too many incentives for him not to run. But why isn't anybody? Why? Why does nobody care of of, of Trump's supporters? Why does nobody care that he's in Epstein's black book and that they're photographed? Why does nobody care? Nobody cares. Because he's Donald Trump and he's going to save the world. By the way, I'm going all, to say this again. All of this started because there's a picture of Ghislaine Maxwell and Elon Musk, and Elon tried to explain it away and say he, she photobombed him. Yeah, I don't really care. Yeah, I, I now if you're having sex with kids, I think you're the scum of the earth. You should be in jail. That's an issue. It is an issue, but 
at this point, what's going to happen if the black book comes out and your name's in it? Uh, something. If Donald, if, if, if they release the names in the black book and Donald Trump's on that list, is there a single person in the world who won't vote for him because of that? No, but the issue is, and I, and I think the conversation is, why isn't it being released? What are they covering up? What are they hiding? That's what the issue is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm telling you now. I'm t- and there's a big debate on whether Donald Trump runs for president in 2024. He's not going to run. And here's why. Because then he has to, again, open himself up to all of the fundraising rules and laws. Yep. And all of a sudden, by the way, once he does that, what does he have to do? He has to explain where all the money went and where all the money came from. It's internal. And then he can't just pay off his debt with the money that he raised. Because right now, all of this, stop the steal, motherfucker. All the money he's raising to stop the steal and find OJ's killers and all that stuff. (laughs) OJ's killers. All that, (laughs) you know, all of the money that he raised after he was out of office for the exploratory stop the steal stuff. Right. He has to account where it came from and how it was spent. Right. The minute he says running for president in 2024, he has to give an accounting of that. Never mind that the moment that he runs for president again, all of these lawsuits, all of the filings of information, all of his all of his, you know, essentially all of his business dealings again come to public light yeah because what have we seen now like all of this stuff with his taxes all of this stuff with his business dealings all the all of the nonsense about voting machines all of his ties to russia yep now become public under the microscope again and donald trump is doing a very nice job by the way flying under the radar yep no one's talking about him and i would also point out there's a real good chance he doesn't win the election yeah there's a real good chance he doesn't win the election. I think that the mass shootings have really hurt the appetite for this country's appetite for Republicans. I think that voters, even Republican voters, are very frustrated. Because when people start dying, that kind of changes the narrative a little bit. It does. We kind of go from whether abortion is okay to, okay, how do we stop people from dying? You know what I mean? So that's why I say it's a really interesting time right now. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. What, 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 what happens? Yeah. I just, I think it's very interesting that, and of course the uncle Joe Biden comments here are here. Go. Like Predictably. Joe, and, is that the best you can do? Hunter's like, laptop. Like, like, is that the best you can do? Why can we not just have a conversation about Jeffrey Epstein and Donald Trump and oh, it was one photo at a, at a fundraiser. No, it wasn't. He's in Jeffrey Epstein's black book, man. It, it, anyway. Yeah. Do we need to know the contents of that black book? Yes. I don't I don't think it's a make or break either way. I I really don't think it's a make or break either way. Uh, I think it is I don't think it's a make or break either way. Yeah. I I'm do. not that, I, I think that, that interested in it. I think when you have a trial and things go down and then the black book gets hidden again, it raises questions. And finally, before we get out of here, um, can we talk about McDonald's and the Muslim community? Yeah. So a McDonald's Why? in Chicopee, Massachusetts. Chicopee, Massachusetts. Which, if you're like me and have never heard of Chicopee, Massachusetts, what? this is about 80 miles west the of The vacation Boston. destination of yeah. chickadoodle peas? So- so a Muslim family 
goes into this McDonald's in Chicopee, right? They walk in, and they order, and they walk to a park. They walk to, like, a school park that's, you know, just a couple blocks down or whatever, where they were going to eat the food. They open the food, and it had it, they were fish sandwiches they got, right? <laughs> and there's bacon all over the fish sandwiches. So they Good took Lord. that as McDonald's, as that particular McDonald's, uh, taking a a shot at their faith. Because in the Muslim faith, it's no secret that the, the faith says they can't eat pork. So they were eating fish. That's what they wanted to eat from McDonald's. And they got fries and cookies and, you know, the, the lot. But... But this, I just couldn't believe this. I saw this story and I was like, man, like you saw them walk in because it does say in the article that the mother of this family was wearing her her head covering uh, mm-hmm. as in accordance with her faith. So they knew what they were doing. And so there's a suit going on and, and it just begs the question, like maybe we shouldn't be walking into McDonald's. Maybe we shouldn't be trusting McDonald's. I don't know. But I think going to fast food is is an ever risky proposition, it seems, lately. All I'm saying is, and this is just me. Right. They knew what they were doing. You don't accidentally put bacon on a fish sandwich. Yeah. Okay? As someone who has enjoyed a fish sandwich or 7,000. Right. You don't don't put bacon on a fish sandwich. Right. And when a, a person of the Muslim faith is ordering a fish sandwich, you certainly don't accidentally put bacon on a fish sandwich. Um, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I, this is bordering on a crime, in yeah. my opinion. So they sued McDonald's, uh, saying obviously it was a hate crime and, you know, a racial crime and, or, you know, the whole thing or whatever. And nothing's been done with it. But it, it, they went back that, that same day they ordered the food. The dad of the family walked back and got a refund for the food. So they technically did get their money back. But it doesn't really fix the issue at hand. Not at all. Yeah. Not so, at all. Yeah. I, I just I, – see, and this is why I have trouble with fast food. Yeah. Do you trust fast food restaurants? I think it depends where you are, man. It's all about the people who, <sighs> who are – you know, working and, and what it is. I mean, I think if you're, you know, in a major metropolitan area, you're probably fine. But when you start getting out into Chicopee, Massachusetts, Oof. you may have some issues. And people are asking why this is a big deal. Um, the Muslim faith does not eat dirty meat. Like it, and bacon is something that is widely regarded call as it a what dirty it, meat. Yeah, call yeah. it what it is. It's essentially off limits. Um, I mean, it is, but just, I just want to make it clear, just generally speaking, put the Muslim faith aside, bacon and pork, generally speaking, is known as a dirty meat. Yeah. And you don't put it on a fish sandwich. Yeah. Man. Yeah. How much are they suing for? Um, I don't think there was a number because I don't think it ever actually got that far. Um, let me, I don't, there wasn't a number attached to the suit. Yeah. You know, yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was really, that was pretty egregious. I felt like out of a fast food place. This is just blatant anti-Muslim behavior. I mean, that's what this is. It's not, to me, it's not like, I don't trust fast food joints. I don't like, I mean, I I don't frequent a whole lot of fast food restaurants um, outside of the occasional five guys, you know, like I might every once in a while, like we had a lovely breakfast burrito uh, in Jackson yesterday, Jackson, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Lovely bl- breakfast burrito. Outside of that, yeah, 
I'm not such a fast food guy. Yeah. So, anyway. All yeah. right. I see you trying to play the music. We got, we we got go. to, man. We got things to do. All right. Good to see you guys, as always. Uh, really appreciate everybody being here. Um, we are here every day, uh, Monday through Friday. We always have you covered on anything Utah sports. Anything else you want to talk about. Make sure you find us on Twitter and Instagram. I am The Monty Show. M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show. You can find Jake at SLC Supercars. SLC Supercars. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.